Hey, y'all out there. This is Bo Billingsley, the voice of Jet Black and the Fourth Raikage. You're listening to The Night Nerd. Stay tuned because all kinds of good things will be happening. Welcome to the Night Nerd Podcast. I'm your host, Lance. It's Thursday, so we're going to talk a little bit of history. Uh, it happened. You know, all week I was talking about how I wasn't feeling well, but I didn't want to give you a rerun show, so we're going to talk to Marines, we're going to celebrate their birthdays and everything. Well, it, I, I should have taken the week off because I ended up like losing my voice. I, I could barely talk. I couldn't talk. And so that's when we had a little hiatus here between shows, but I'm back. I feel better. I'm not going to say better than ever, but I feel better anyway, and I can talk, which in this business is super, super important. So we're going to talk a little bit about the history of the Marines today. The Marine, Before we get started, though, the Marines have three like primary things, three things that they do according to the National Security Act of 1947, and that these are what they're responsible for, so we're going to start in those first, but... The the first one is seizure or defense of advanced naval bases and other land operations to support naval, naval campaigns. The second is development of tactics, technique, and equipment used by amphibious landing forces in coordination with the Army and Air Force. And the last one is such other duties as the President or Department of Defense may direct. So kind of a, a catch-all on that one. Uh, you know, pretty much any job you have, it's always at manager's discretion or, you know, at uh, site owner's discretion, whatever. They, they always put that in there. So that way it's like, oh, yeah, um, need you to clean the toilet. It says right here, at my discretion, any other duties I see fit. So that's, I don't know, I think that's kind of interesting that even in one of the most, like, powerful uh, and important groups that they still have the, whatever the boss says, that's what you got to do. You know, and so... It's, it's everybody has to deal with it. But their actual history, if you want to dive into it, um, starts back in the Revolutionary War, actually just before the Revolutionary War. So there were the Colonial Marines, and they were formed by Captain Samuel Nichols by a resolution of the Second Continental Congress. And this happened on November 10th, 1775. So they, they, there were two battalions of Marines. And that November 10th date, that's where they get their birthday. That's what we've been celebrating all week. Now, at the end of the Revolutionary War, the Continental Navy and the Continental Marines were disbanded in April of 1783. And they wouldn't come back for a decade and a half. They, they come back in July 11th of 1798. This was for the quasi-war with France, which I thought, uh, I, I didn't know what that meant. I was like, so it was kind of a war? Well, it was an undeclared war, which is interesting. So, yeah, it is the quasi-war. And the, at this point, this is when they would become the United States Marine Corps. And they ever, ever since then. And Marines have been used by the War Department going back to 1797 
actually. So just before they officially came back, they were kind of, I guess, like a soft opening, maybe. Uh, but the, in 1797, they were used to help build frigates and uh, other things when they were doing their naval armament, when America was really building their navy and focusing on their their navy. And it showed what, you know, that's when they were like, all right, we're going to have this many Marines, we're going to do this, and this is how we're going to go. Which, side note, something that's kind of interesting, uh, I found out, is that they, Marines serve as, like, the infantry unit on naval, naval vessels, and they're responsible for the security of the ship and the crew, uh, but their main things are defensive combat during boarding actions and to defend the ship's officers from mutiny. So if there's a mutiny, like the Marines are supposed to stop it or put it down. And usually on ships there where the Marines stayed were in between where the officers were and everybody else. They were kind of a buffer there. So, you know, back when you had mutinies on ships, it seemed like a lot. You know, I've been listening to a podcast called Our Fake History, and about every like third episode, he talks about there was an attempted mutiny. So if only they would have had Marines there, but oh well. So where are we at? We're about turn of the century here. Now, the Marines fought in the first Barbary War, which was 1801 to 1805. It was against the Barbary Pirates. And this... Was, this was a big time where they led this eight Marines. So kind of think 300. There was eight Marines and 500 mercenaries. And they went to capture Tripoli. And it's even in their song, you know, from the halls of Montezuma to the shores of Tripoli. And we'll get to Montezuma in, in a minute. But this was a real big, important campaign. Now, they didn't quite make it to Tripoli. Um, but it was a valiant effort. And they definitely did work and made a name for themselves and this is actually during this is where they got the uh mameluke sword i think is what what it's called as part of their dress outfit and stuff is because of the barbary war so i think that's pretty cool then in 1812 um the marines are on the navy ships like we've you know mentioned and here they were holding general jackson's defensive line at the battle of new orleans which in any battle that New Orleans is part of, um, this, the Civil War, actually we'll see it again later on, but the New Orleans is a really important port for the South, especially, I mean, for America in general, but especially in the South, because it is the biggest and friendliest part, I don't know. They, uh, but they, that was their job was to guard it. And they did an awesome job. They, actually captured the HMS Cyan, Levant, and Penguin. So they, you know, that's three ships that they took out of the British Navy, which is really cool. And during this, they kind of started to get their reputation as awesome marksmen and being really good in like ship-to-ship warfare and everything. Um, So their legend just keeps growing and growing and growing. And then after the this, they kind of did random things. They went on almost a tour, like a world tour. 
They went all through the Caribbean, the Gulf of Mexico, Key West, West Africa, Sumatra, and um, just out there kicking butt and taking names. Also during this time, though, President Jackson wanted to join the Marines into the Army as like a different part of the Army. And Commandant Henderson, who was in charge at the time, he's Archibald, which is totally a 1820s name, was like, hey, no, we're not going to do this. And so he got Congress to pass the Act for the Better Organization of the Marine Corps in 1834. And it says, hey, if anything, they're kind of part of the Navy in the sense that they're a sister service to the Navy. And that was kind of met on common ground right there. And they would also fight in the Seminole Wars. Um, uh, half of them would actually go fight. There's two battalions. And then again in the Mexican-American War. And this is where they had the assault on Chapultepec Palace in Mexico City. Uh, this was the halls of Montezuma. Again, real big thing for them. Uh, they led the way, stormed the, well, not the beaches per se, but the hulls and helped with all of that. And then as time would go on, you know, they would just keep popping up and helping wherever needed in the, in the civil war. They didn't do a whole lot because like a third of the Marines left to form the Confederate state Marines. And they fought at the first battle of Bull Run, or if you're from the South, they called it the first battle of Manassas. And uh, didn't do a whole lot. They, they did some naval stuff, you know, with the USS flag and helped in the capture and occupation of New Orleans. Because, again, New Orleans is super important. And when you're the amphibious attack defensive masters, of course, that's where they're going to send you is to the port and everything. And they kind of got a little pushback in the late 1800s because the Navy was going from like sails on their ships to steam engines. And so they're like, well, do we need Marines? But then Marines are like, oh, no, we do look. And they did almost they they were active like 28 of the 30 years from the end of the civil war to the 20th century and this is when they started getting their hymn uh so they got their emblem in 1868 and this is when the hymn was heard in 1883 is when they got their motto the semper fidelis which is means always faithful and that was a you know a big time for them and then going forward, uh, World War One, they were part again of like expedition forces. Kind of led the way and went out and did things. As uh, when they got the nickname Devil Dogs, because when they were fighting the Germans, the Germans called them the Tufelhunden, which was Devil Dogs, is because they were just had uncanny abilities, whether it's as marksmen or hand-to-hand -hand fighting or whatever, and. That's a cool nickname, Devil Dogs. That's you couldn't ask for a cooler nickname, and they they would go on. Uh, World War Two, kind of the same thing. Most of their stuff was in the Pacific Theater, Theater of the Pacific. I think is how it was put back then. 
against the Japanese. And they, you know, a lot of little islands, big islands, kind of the whole thing. But the Marines, because remember the part we talked about earlier where the development of tactics, technique, and equipment used by amphibious landings? Well, there was a little thing in World War II called Normandy, the invasion of Normandy, and the Marines helped train and prepare everybody else for that because it was an amphibious landing. So that's pretty cool. Now, uh, it was Marines who raised the flags at Iwo Jima. You know, just so so many things going on during this. Now, when it was done, though, they, again, tried to basically liquefy the Marines and mix them in with the Navy and the Army. Well, the Commandant at the time was like, hey, no, we're not doing this. And there was a little thing called the Revolt of the Admirals where they protested and everything. And I mean, it had to do with some other stuff, but it got us the National Security Act of 1947, which is where they laid out their three main acts and everything. It gave protection to the Marine Corps and it gave them a seat at the table. They were equal with, you know, they had a voice with the other Joint Chiefs of Staff and it's awesome. And I think that's just really cool. You know, the, the first 150-ish years of the Marines was drama and action and adventure and everything you could ask for. And that's really cool. So there you have it. That is the history of the Marines. Now, you, it gets a little dicier and crazier when you look at uh, Korea, Vietnam, Iraq, Gulf War, War on Terror, things like that. But I feel like the end of World War II, when they get their seat at the table, is a good stopping point uh, and a, a great story. Let us know if you're a history guy, a history person, a Marine person, like what some of your favorite battle moments are. You can let us know in the comments below here on SoundCloud or on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We're out there and everywhere and would love to hear from you. Email me, nightnerd at thenightnerd.com. But otherwise, that's going to do it for us today. Again, my name is Lance. Thank you all so much for listening, and we will see you next time. What you fear most, I am. What you need, I am. What you made.